Welcome to Facts Roundtable, a podcast dedicated to navigating life with food allergies across the lifespan. Presented in a welcoming format with interviews and open discussions, each episode will explore a specific topic, leaving you with the facts to know or use. Information presented via this podcast is educational and not intended to provide individual medical advice. Please consult with your personal board-certified allergist or healthcare providers for advice specific to your situation. Hi, everyone. I'm Caroline Mawasasi, and I am your host for the Fact Roundtable podcast. I am a food allergy parent, advocate, and the founder of the Grateful Foodie blog, and I am Fact's Vice President of Community Relations. Before we start today's very interesting conversation, I just want to pause for just a moment to say thank you to DBV Technologies for being a very kind sponsor of FACTS Roundtable podcast. Please note that today's guest was not sponsored by DBV or compensated in any way by the sponsor to participate in this specific podcast. The holidays are here and managing food allergies does not need to slow you down. Today, we're exploring safe and fun ways to enjoy Hanukkah when someone in your family has food allergies with Stacy Science, who is a food allergy advocate and someone who works to preserve Jewish heritage. Welcome, Stacy, to Facts Roundtable Podcast. We're absolutely delighted to have you on the show today and to help listeners prepare for Hanukkah. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. It is going to be a great conversation. Before we get started, can you tell listeners about yourself, your work to preserve Jewish heritage, and your background as a food allergy advocate? I know you go back many years in really changing our community. Thank you. I have a son who's 14 years old, so I have been working in the food allergy world, trying to educate and advocate to make the world safer for people who have food allergies for 14 years now. I'm also the granddaughter of two Holocaust survivors, so Holocaust education is something I feel very passionate about, and I do a lot of volunteer work with the museum in D.C., the museum in New York, the USC Shoah Foundation, and so both of these causes are something I feel very passionate about. Well, we're glad you're passionate about them because you seem to move a lot of mountains. Thank you. Celebrating the holidays that are rooted deep in tradition can be a real challenge when you're trying to keep your loved ones safe with food allergies, but at the same time, honoring family traditions. So today we're focusing on Hanukkah. Can you explain to listeners what Hanukkah is about and then how food allergies can impact celebrating this holiday? So Hanukkah is known as the Festival of Lights, and it's celebrated for eight days. It commemorates the Maccabean revolt against the Syrian Greek army. And when the Maccabees won, they could only find a small amount of oil to light their menorah. The amount of oil that they found to light the menorah was only supposed to keep it lit for one day, but miraculously it kept lit for eight nights. And so that is why we celebrate Hanukkah for eight nights. And it's also why while people are celebrating Hanukkah, lots of food is fried in oil. Oil has a big part of this holiday. I did not know that. That is wonderful. 
So it also sounds like part of the traditions include oil, but oil is actually a food product. So now let's talk about that. Can you share how you prepare for and celebrate Hanukkah with your family? And then also if you can just share with listeners what allergens you're managing. So every holiday in my house is celebrated just because we have food allergies. We you know, do not do anything differently, except there's a lot more prep and planning that goes into it. So my son has 26 food allergies, dairy, egg, actually, as of recently, he just grew out of wheat, but oat, rye, barley, tree nuts, sesame, sorghum, millet, teff, quinoa, buckwheat, chia, flax, and sunflower. So like I said, we prepare and we celebrate Hanukkah just like everybody else celebrates Hanukkah. And we still have the main types of food that people eat during Hanukkah. We've just adapted them for our own needs and created our own recipes by using other people's recipes. Now, how do you find the recipes? You just start talking with your friends and then start just adapting and testing? Yes, it's, you know, Googling recipes online and looking at them and just tinkering with some of the ingredients. You know, if it calls for wheat in the past, although this will be the first year I can use real wheat, but in the past I've been using gluten-free flours to replace the wheat. I've been using rice flour or potato starch. Actually, I've been using a King Arthur gluten-free mix. Changing that in a recipe from real wheat to an alternative grain. And my son has a dairy allergy, so whenever it calls for dairy, I'll be in our house. He's not allergic to soy, so we put soy milk instead of dairy. So you're very creative in the kitchen. <laughs> I've had to be. I wouldn't call myself a chef, but by default, I am now a chef. <laughs> I think that's the truth of the food allergy community in general. Like people who maybe cook lightly are like master chefs now. Yes, yes. <laughs> What foods are traditionally eaten during Hanukkah? And again, you mentioned a little how you find the allergen safe recipes, but are there any sources you know of like Pinterest? So I look on a lot of the different food allergy websites and that offer recipes. And then I also Google, I'll Google a wheat-free challah. I'll Google an egg wheat-free potato laki. And I often find a lot of recipes. Now, today, there's so many more vegan recipes. And so oftentimes, I can find a vegan recipe and then tinker and add in things that we're able to have into the recipe. And now, what foods are traditionally eaten? The potato laki or the potato pancake is one of the most popular during Hanukkah. And basically what it is, is it's shredded potato. I make mine with potato, onion, and carrot that's shredded. And instead of flour and egg, because we had both of those allergies in our house, or we did with wheat, I will just mix it with applesauce and potato starch and a little baking soda and fry that. It tastes just as delicious as the potato lackeys made with wheat or with egg, and my family loves it. I'll make a homemade applesauce or a store-bought applesauce that's safe for our family to dip the potato lackeys into. Okay, so you are a master chef. (laughs) No, a chef by default. Anyone can do it. If I can do it, anyone can do it. I love that. And so now what other foods? I know there's like several special foods. And then do you eat those foods in the evening when you light your menorah or these foods that you share with others? How does the food play a role? So we usually have a special dinner with our whole family where we'll have 
all of these foods the first night. And then my family loves the food, so they'll continue to eat them throughout the days for the next couple of days. So at our traditional dinner, we'll have potato lockies. We also make jelly donuts. Fried jelly donuts are very popular for this holiday as well. I've also found a vegan jelly donut recipe that I can share a link for you for that I've made that my family absolutely loves. And then I also make a challah and I will make a matzo ball soup for our Hanukkah celebration, but the potato lockies and the jelly-filled donuts are the most popular. And then for dessert, I will make a chocolate gelt because one of the games that lots of families will play during Hanukkah is a dreidel game. And you can win the chocolate gelt during the dreidel game. And so I will just buy a dairy-free chocolate for our family. So Pasha or Divi's or Enjoy Life, they're all safe brands. And I order on Amazon or from a local store the molds. And it's very simple. I melt the chocolate and I put it into the mold. And you do not need to be a chef to make your own gel. I do order, you know, the gold foils to wrap them in just so they look like the uh, gel that you'll buy in the store. It's really easy to still have the same types of food items, even though you have food allergies. I think the truth is of the food allergy community is we become the masters of problem solving. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I always say, living with food allergies, you can do everything that everyone else does. It just takes a little extra planning. You can't be spontaneous. Great advice right there. Very great advice. My family often will face challenges telling our elders or our grandparents that we can't eat certain foods that are very traditional for certain holidays. So those can be really tough conversations and talking to grandparents and saying, I know you made this dish and this recipe has been handed down for generations, but we can't eat it. So do you have any tips for listeners on how they can maybe speak to family about modifying special traditions? Yes, I find that the easiest way to handle all of these holidays is to offer to be the host if you're able to. Because if you're the host, you can control what food is being served and how it's being served and make sure that everyone's safe. I generally host or my mother actually, so my son's grandmother will host and we cook all the dishes so that we know that they're safe. And then people always want to bring things and we'll say, okay, why don't you bring the drinks or why don't you bring some type of treat that we know is okay. You know, maybe the food allergic child won't be able to eat, but we'll make something that's similar to that treat. It's much easier to manage and make sure that everything's safe if you are the host because you can control what's coming in. If people have a certain dish, a locky, right? Everybody wants the potato locky. And everyone I have to say in the beginning was a little weary if the potato locky I was making was going to taste like the same potato locky that they'd eaten all these years. And lo and behold, everyone still absolutely loved it. And so I think it's just getting over that first time saying, guess what? We can still celebrate and we can still have these foods, even if it's not the exact same recipe you're used to, I guarantee you'll still like it. <laughs> That is wonderful, wonderful advice. Kind of turning outward a little, how do you manage food allergies at your children's school or synagogue during these really special holidays? Again, I always try to volunteer if there has to be food. So for Hanukkah, every year they have these potato pancakes. And in fact, in some of the younger classes, they want to cook potato pancakes with the children. So I always volunteer to be the mom who comes in and cooks and I bring the ingredients so that I know that they're safe and I provide the tools. 
Additionally, I always like to offer and suggest craft projects as opposed to food projects for celebrating the holidays within school. And a lot of times the teachers are very happy to hear if you can offer a nice craft project alternative. And for Hanukkah, Making menorahs is something that's very popular in the schools. Doing a craft project where the students make their own menorah or playing the dreidel game is also very popular. So I like to offer these craft alternatives to cooking projects if possible. And are there any websites that you could maybe recommend where people could find some of these ideas? Yes, I will give you a link for those websites as well. Oh, excellent, because I'll make sure I put them in the show notes for all our listeners. So Stacy, turning over to the other Jewish holidays, are there other holidays that also have food as a heavy element or as part of the important celebrations? Yes. So in the Jewish religion, holidays tend to revolve around food. And every holiday seems to have its traditional food that people eat. So Passover is another holiday that revolves around food. And we do the same thing. I like to host as many holidays as I possibly can. And I just find alternative recipes that are safe. And I tinker with the traditional recipes. So there's traditionally a brisket for Passover and matzah is a big tradition for Passover. And so since we have been living with a wheat allergy for the past 14 years, I would make a wheat-free matzah from scratch. And again, I just Google online and I find wheat-free matzah recipes. And you can do that for any of your allergies. I guarantee we have so many 26 and I am constantly Googling online to find recipes that are alternatives to the traditional recipe. Stacy, you mentioned that it takes extra time to do these wonderful recipes that honor these time-treasured traditions. So what type of timeline do you suggest for a listener if they're trying to plan a special meal for Hanukkah or Passover or any other holiday? How soon should they start looking on the internet or talking to friends to find new recipes and to start preparing and shopping? So I typically start about a month ahead. I'll make out a plan of my menu and what I want to cook. And then I'll look for recipes for each of the menu items. And then I will also, just because of these days, things are a little bit harder to source. I'm not going into as many stores that as I used to. And so I'll just make sure that I can source all of my ingredients. And then As soon as I put that together, I kind of put it aside and then closer to about two weeks before, I'll make sure I have everything. And then uh, a couple days before I'll plan out when I'm cooking certain items just to make sure that I can get them all done in time. And do you ever practice the recipes ahead of time? I'm guilty for not. I'm like, let's just try. I'm the same way. And luckily it's been okay. (laughs) But yes, I should. But now... I have to say, I've used most of these recipes over the years, and they're now traditional in our house, right? Because we've used them for 14 years. So 14 years ago, they were an eye-opener for everybody in my family. You know, is this going to be good or bad? And everybody seems to love them. That is so nice. My son used to be allergic to dairy and egg, and he outgrew them too. But there were certain recipes that we made that, like you said, they've actually become tradition. And so now we continue with them. I tried to stop. I tried to put in the egg. I tried to put in the dairy. And it was a big rejection. Now our traditions have shifted in a really kind of cool way. I love that. Stacy. before we wrap up today, do you have anything else you would like to share with listeners? 
I just want to say that living with food allergies is completely manageable and doesn't prevent you from doing or celebrating any holiday that you want. It just may take a little bit of extra preparation, but it can be done and you can still celebrate with your family and friends and have the same special celebration that you've traditionally had. Thank you for sharing that. I think we all need to hear that from time to time. I think we get a little overwhelmed and we forget that there are thousands of people out there doing this and doing it really well. And again, I'm very impressed with your culinary skills. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on Facts Roundtable podcast. And I look forward to having you on the show again. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And everybody have a happy Hanukkah. I would like to add a special note to listeners to take a look at the show notes today because you're going to find a lot of links to the recipes that Stacy mentioned. And also there'll be a link to Facts Pinterest page, which has a special board for cultural allergy-friendly recipes. And you will find some recipes for different Jewish holidays, Indian, and all sorts of cultures for just everyday meals or special holidays. But definitely make sure you stop by and take a peek. Before we say goodbye today, I just want to thank DBV Technologies one more time for being a very kind sponsor of FACT's Roundtable podcast. Please note that today's guest was not sponsored by DBV Technologies or compensated in any way by the sponsor to participate in this specific podcast. Thank you for listening to FACT's Roundtable podcast. Stay tuned for future episodes coming soon. Please subscribe, leave a review, and listen to our podcast on Pandora, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. Have a great day and always be kind to one another. <music>